Section three of One by Crime. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. One by Crime by Frank Pinkerton. Chapter two, part one. Don Garcia was sitting in his study, regarding with some anxiety Louise Falcom, who, tall and handsome, stood before him. You wish to ask me something, is it not so? Well, speak out, and be sure if it is in my power I will grant it. I hardly like to ask. It is, I know, daring. I am but a captain, and you are one of the wealthiest men in India. Yet I love your daughter, and that is what I wish to tell you, earnestly. Don Garcia smiled indulgently, and he gazed kindly at the young fellow's flushed face. I told you I would give you what you wished, and I will not break my word. I could safely trust Leonor to you. No other man I know has won so large a place in my esteem. But I dare not speak until I know what my daughter thinks. She will answer for herself touching so delicate a subject. Tell Doña Leonor to come here, he said to Toki. After what seemed an anxious age to poor Luis, Leonor entered, leaning lightly on Savitar, somewhat astonished. Leonor, may I speak before Savitar? the don asked gravely. Of course, papa, I have no secrets from her. My child, drawing her nearer to him, Luis Falcom has asked your hand in marriage. What answer shall I give him? Leonor blushed divinely, and her dark eyes shyly drooped before the eager glance from those loving blue ones fixed upon her. He saved my life, father. I will gladly give it to him, she murmured. You love him, child. Dearly, I shall be proud and happy to become the wife of Luis. Gaining courage. You have my answer, Falcom. May you be content always. I give her to you with pleasure. In spite of the Don's presence and Savitar's, Louise could not refrain from drawing the girl into his arms and pressing fervent kisses on her smooth brow and soft cheeks. You shall never repent your choice, darling, he said tenderly. I cannot give you wealth, but a true heart and a brave hand are solely yours, now until death. I know, Louise, dear, and to me that gift is more precious than the costliest jewels, the girl whispered fondly. Their happiness was not without its clouds. Luis was compelled to leave his betrothed to guard a fort some distance away. I will return soon, dearest, he said lovingly, holding the trembling girl in his strong arms, and then your father has promised our marriage shall take place. And you will not run into danger for my sake, Leonor pleaded, winding her white arms around his neck. Think how desolate I should be without you. Don Garcia, having a great liking for the young man, saw him go with some regret. Don't stay away longer than you can help, he said kindly. God keep you, my boy. So Louise parted from his love and returned to Dieu, carrying in his heart a cherished memory of Leonor and a tiny miniature of her in his breast pocket. When he arrived at the governor's palace, he went directly to Manuel Tonza to inform him of his departure. The governor, a tall, dark-looking man of more than thirty, bore on his fine features a look of haughty sternness, mingled with some cruelty. He glanced coldly at the young captain, and listened in silence to his explanations. But as Louise drew from his breast a sealed packet, given him by Don Garcia, Leonor's miniature fell with a crash to the ground, the jeweled case flying open. Manuel picked it up from the floor with a sudden swiftness, and gazed admiringly at the pictured face. "'Who is this?' he asked abruptly. "'Leonor de Sa, Don Garcia's daughter.' 
Leonor de Sa, and so beautiful as this? the governor muttered inaudibly. I forgot she had grown from a child to a woman. I must see her. How comes it, though, her miniature is in his hands? Surely they could not have betrothed her to a captain. With a gesture of disdain, he flung the miniature on the table and told Louise his presence was no longer needed. Once alone, and a singular smile crossed the governor's face. I must pay Don Garcia a visit. It is long since I saw him. I never dreamt his little daughter had grown up so lovely. Thank heaven I am rich. My jewels and wealth might tempt a queen. I need not fear refusal from a viceroy's daughter. Full of complacent contentment, Tonza made hasty preparations for leaving Diu, and that same evening saw him a welcome guest of Don Garcia. He was charmed with Leonor. In spite of himself, a deep, passionate love wakened in his heart for her, and he determined to win her for his wife. First he wished to gain Don Garcia over to his side, so took an early opportunity of speaking to him on the subject. The viceroy listened in grave silence, and a look of regret stole into his eyes. I am sorry, he said gently. Why have you come too late? My child is already betrothed. To whom? hoarsely. Louise Falcom. But he is only a captain and poor. Surely you would not sacrifice your child to him. Think what riches I could lay at her feet. As my wife, Leonor would be one of the most envied of women. I know, and I wish now I had not been so hasty. But Louise saved her life, won my gratitude, then, as the price of his act, asked Leonor's hand. I was forced to consent, as I had said I would give him whatever he asked, with a sigh. A promise gained like that is not binding. It was taking an unfair advantage of your gratitude. I do not like to break my promise, but I will do what I can for you. I will ask Leonor, and if she cares for you more than for Louise, she shall wed you. Thank you, and I will try hard to gain her love, Manuel answered hopefully. When Leonor heard the subject of the conference between her father and Tonza, her indignation was unbounded. How can you act so dishonorably, papa? she cried angrily, after betrothing me to Louise. Now, because Tonza is rich and wishes to marry me, you would break your word. But, my dear, think how different Manuel is to Falcom. He can give you a beautiful home and jewels such as a queen might envy. While the captain can give you nothing. He can give me a brave, loving heart, which is worth all the world to me. No, while Louise lives, I will be true to him. No other shall steal my love from him, firmly. Is that the answer I am to give to Tonza? Yes. Thank him for the great honor he has done me. But as I cannot marry two men, I choose the one I love, who first won my hand and saved my life. When Manuel heard her answer, he was filled with rage and hate. So, so, he muttered, a sinister look creeping over his face. She will not wed me while Falcom lives. But should he die, what then? To Leonor he was always gentle, trying by soft words and many little attentions to win her regard, a very difficult task. Since her father's conversation, she shrank as much as possible from him, hoping he would understand her studied coldness. Savitr, she said one evening, as they were dressing for a ball given in her honor, that horrid man's attentions are becoming intolerable. He will not see how I detest him, and I am bound by love and promise to another. I wish Luis was here. He has been away so long. I am tired of Tonza's persistence and papa's reproaches. Never mind, dearest. All will be well when your brave lover returns. Perhaps he may be even now on the way. 
"'I am sure if he knew how terribly you were persecuted he would fly to you at once,' Savitar whispered softly. "'I feel miserable, unhappy. Lolly, put away those robes and give me a plain black dress. During Louise's absence I will put on mourning, so Tanza can read the sorrow I feel in my heart.' "'But, dear, what will your father say?' Savitar asked anxiously. "'He will be angry, I know.' but it is partly his fault I am obliged to act thus. In a few minutes Lali and Tala had silently arrayed their young mistress in trailing black robes, which clung softly to her beautiful form. No jewelry relieved the somberness of her dress. Her dark hair, thick and long, fell like a veil over her shoulders, adding to the mournfulness of her garb by its dusky ways. Below in the handsome marble hall stood Don Garcia and Tanza, both watching with suppressed impatience the richly hung staircase leading to Leonor's apartments. "'It is late. I hope nothing has occurred,' Manuel said anxiously, drawing the velvet curtain aside to gaze across the hall. Even as he did so, Leonor, leaning lightly on Satsavan's shoulder, appeared, her graceful head held proudly erect, an expression of supreme indifference on her face. Both men started with an exclamation of alarm, rage on Manuel's part. "'What, in mourning and for a ball?' Manuel gasped with rising passion. "'Leonor, what does this farce mean? Why have you disguised yourself?' "'How dare you disobey me when I said so particularly I wished you to appear at your best? I have been too weakly indulgent with you, and now you take advantage of my tenderness to disgrace me by showing my guests your foolish infatuation for a man to whom I now wish I had never promised your hand.' Leonor lifted her reproachful eyes to his, her pale face, even whiter in contrast with her somber dress, full of resolute rebellion. End of section 3